This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat. And Horwat, we are five days away from a Pittsburgh Penguins hockey game. Now, that is the Prospects game, so you're not going to see Crosby, you're not going to see Malkin, you're not going to see Gensel, you're not going to see most of the guys that you're going to end up seeing play on October 13th at the home opener against the Arizona Coyotes, but... It will be a hockey game. It will include Pittsburgh Penguins prospects, and it will be on September 17th in Buffalo, New York, against the Boston Bruins prospect system. So we're getting closer to the NHL season. Training camp is next week. Rookie camp begins here in a few days. I believe it begins on the 15th, which would be Thursday. So it's getting closer. And with that, that also means PTO season, paid tryout season, has begun. So, last year the Penguins brought in Brian Boyle. It ended up being a great story for the Penguins. He was given that PTO after taking an entire season off at the advanced age of either 37 or 38. I can't remember how old he was at the beginning of last season. But he came in, he played 66 games for the Penguins, scored 11 goals, notched 21 points, and became an integral member of the leadership group of that Pittsburgh Penguins team. So last year a PTO was a big part of the team. Do you see that happening again this season for the Pittsburgh Penguins? Not one bit. No? Not one bit. It was necessary last year because we also knew Malkin was going to miss a time, miss a lot of time to start the year. <clears throat> we also knew Crosby was going to miss the beginning of the season. So we needed a center. As excuse me, as time went on, we realized we were going to be missing Rust for a minute. Jake Gensel got hurt pretty quickly. Out of nowhere, it was like, yeah, we needed a PT... We needed that PTO and minor league call-ups all of a sudden. So, Brian Boyle, I can remember sitting here in this chair talking to you about it when when we found out Crosby and Malkin were both going to be missing time. We immediately said, well, Brian Boyle is all of a sudden our fourth-line center. And he hadn't even signed the full deal yet. Then we saw where it went. He signed the full one-year deal, had a respectable season for his position. You know, he played far more than any of us expected. And played really well throughout it. So, good on Brian Boyle for that. We commended him the entire time for it. He played great and he helped us out a lot. Became a leader and became one of the best uh, faces in the locker room. But this year, it's a different situation. We're pretty much fully healthy. Mm -hmm. And we have our lineup just about set. The only thing people are fighting for is, like, wing positions. And 
we can fill that with what we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think when you look at the Pittsburgh Penguins and what's happened with them over this summer, they've kind of stocked up on that bottom six, 13th forward, first call-up kind of position. They're about six or seven deep in that spot now. It isn't quality over quantity, but there is a quantity there, and there are opportunities for certain players to step up and become a quality part of the team, similar to what Brian Boyle was last year. But PTO season's already underway. We've seen a couple of news stories that have broke, but none of them have resulted in the Penguins getting a guy on a PTO. Uh, Zach Aston Reese, former Pittsburgh Penguins, somebody that people had believed could become a PTO for the Pittsburgh Penguins, come back and try to earn his way back onto the roster after he had played over four seasons in Pittsburgh. He signs with the Toronto Maple Leafs on a tryout contract. The Leafs, they just love former Penguins depth pieces, don't they? They bring in Zach Aston Reese, and let's not get it wrong, Aston Reese is still an undeniable asset on the penalty kill, but it's just a matter of the fact that when you look at the Pittsburgh Penguins, they're willing to give up some of their power on the penalty kill to try to get a little bit more scoring in the bottom six because that did hamper them throughout long stretches of last season. Yeah, absolutely. I'm actually kind of shocked Aston Reese got a PTO, not a full deal already, given how... I'm assuming it's widely known how good his uh, defensive play is. Mm-hmm. Sure, the numbers took a dip in Anaheim, but Anaheim took a dip all season. They're not a good team. His numbers were going to tank a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I'm shocked for Aston Reese alone that it was a PTO and not a full deal. I mean, maybe people are that strapped for cash. The Leafs, I think, could make a lot of sense because they could use a little bit more defense from their forwards. We know Austin Matthews isn't doing it. We know Mitch Marner might bring it a little, but it's not at the same level that Zach Aston Reese can bring. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I will never say phenomenal things about John Tavares, but uh, i that's just me. I just think he's an overrated player. Definitely overpaid, but I don't know what his play style is exactly. From Even from his Islanders days into the Leafs, it always seemed kind of slower and not as... Uh, I mean, what, he was a first overall pick, wasn't he? He was, yeah, in 2010. He doesn't play like it, though. That's the weird part of him. So, I think he gets the, I think he signs there. I think he gets this deal in Toronto, and I think Aston Reese becomes a solid fourth-line player for them and maybe finds an offensive spring, mm-hmm. uh, but definitely helps out with their defense. I don't want to go down a rabbit hole on this, but did you really just cr- try to crush John Tavares for not playing like a first-round pick? It, yeah, I've done it before, and I'll continue to do it again. I can. I he, remember back. He was a first round pick twelve years ago. Like, do you understand that careers? Like, yeah, he's not. He's not a game changing talent. He's not a. He's not a franchise. Uh, he he was a franchise player in New York for a long time. It's just the the problem is look at New York. Like, do do you think of Barzell the same way? Like, do you, like he's not a first round pick, but he is undoubtedly a star. And again, rabbit hole that we can get into in different discussions, but like. I, I think you're you're undervaluating what John Tavares has done through 12 years of his career whenever he had to spend the first majority of it on an Islanders team that got him no help. But let, let's talk about other... Let's talk about the Penguins. Let's talk about former Penguins. And John Tavares is neither. Dominic Simone, a uh, story came out. Taylor Haas of DK Pittsburgh Sports put it out this weekend. Said that Dominic Simone was offered a PTO by the Penguins. Their love for Simone knows no bounds. Trying to bring him back for the third or fourth time. I'm losing track already. Uh, but he, he turned it down. And instead is going back to Europe. Going back to the Czech Republic. To play for his hometown team of HC Sparta Praha. So, my question to you, Horwat. Obviously... We know Mike Sullivan specifically, and just the Penguins organization as a whole, has a soft spot for Dom Simone, who's a guy that, listen, let's give him his his flowers. 
He's an NHL player. He doesn't have finishing ability. He's not really a play driver. He's a guy that has some pretty good possession numbers. And he's a guy that can make the easy plays. He can't do anything fancy. He doesn't do the hard plays well. And there's the book's out on him on how to get him off his game, which is basically just play a little physical. But he is a, a quality bottom six guy. The Penguins never used him that way. They always kept putting up higher in the lineup for some reason. But let me ask you this question. If Simone would have agreed, sign that PTO, come to Pittsburgh, do you think he would have had a roster spot come October 13th? Sadly, yes, because this team is predictable sometimes. Hmm. Um, I wouldn't, want, wouldn't have wanted him to make the roster, but that's, again, just my opinion. I really appreciate that you said he is a he is a definite NHL player and then went on to list all the things he cannot do in hockey. But Yes, he's an NHL talent, but doesn't mean that he's a great NHL player. But he like there's a spot for him in the National Hockey League if he, if he was going to come and try to get one. Like, don't lie. He would be a third liner on the Coyotes and be an everyday player. But, like, there's a spot for him somewhere. It's just a matter of what he can't do has just not gelled with where the Penguins try to put him. And that's why I said that. No, I knew what you meant. I just appreciated that it was, oh, he's an NHL player, but here are all the things he cannot do. Probably. Listen, you're getting on. I'm not going to sit here. And, uh, hey, you you're getting honest analytics. I'm going to get on you yeah, with that. That's, that's fair. That's fair. But for Dom Simone, you know, mm-hmm. had he signed here, uh, signed a PTO here, I do believe he would have signed here just because uh, the team loves him for some reason. I think he would have filled out the last roster spot. He would have pushed Josh Archibald down a little further and would have just locked up the forward core for any uh young young player that wants to try and make some noise and during training camp or uh in these in the preseason i think he would have just kind of gotten in the way so i'm not super mad that he didn't take it um heading back home he seems happy at least because i mean what every hockey player's dream is to play in the nhl and when you voluntarily turn that turn down the nhl to go play in europe hey, that's what makes you happy. Uh, it's also not good that that's the second time that that's happened to the Penguins this offseason. Mm-hmm. But so be it, I guess. Yeah, we also don't know if Yusso Rikula would have re-signed a contract in Pittsburgh. I wasn't even... Make it three. <laughs> I was thinking of... Uh, Bjorkvist. Oh, Bjorkvist, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so... Ah, three times. Okay, lovely. <laughs> no, I, I also do believe that he had a good shot to make the team if he would have signed that PTO. But I think the biggest thing would have been that's injury insurance for the Penguins. If something happens in the preseason, I mean, at this time last year, with a week to go before training camp, we didn't know Sidney Crosby had a wrist surgery. We we didn't know that that happened. So there's still time that something could come up. We don't know. Like there, there's players coming back from injury. Jason Zucker couldn't even sit on the, the players bench last year in the playoffs. We don't know. Like we, we've heard reports that he's doing fine. He looked good in the beauty league. But again, that's that's... That's old-timers, basically. That's pickup. So, uh, unless you're Teddy Bluger and you like to get into fights there. But, no, nonetheless, I I think he would have had a good shot to make the team. Do I think he makes the team if nobody gets injured in preseason? No. Just because, like I said, there's there's not really a spot for him. You know, they've gone out and signed guys that do similar things like that he does. Josh Archibald being chief among them. I, I think Josh Archibald brings exactly what Simone brought, which is... Smaller guy, scat guy, a guy that gets in there without the puck and does some pretty good things, and he's decent with possession. Now, Archibald, I I, I think, is not going to get... I would, if, if, if the over-under was set at 25 games, I'd say under for Josh Archibald in 2022-23. If it goes over, you're in some serious issues with, with health and, and injuries. But 
I do think when when closing the book on the Simone conversation, I do think he would have had a shot to make the team, but it would have been at the expense of either somebody else getting injured or somebody else playing so poorly that they thought, okay, well, Dom Simone's better than what we've seen from this guy. But I I, I think that's what would have had to happen. Yeah, it absolutely is. We, it, we were in a different situation last year. That's what I'm going to keep pulling this conversation back to, is that we were just in a different situation last year with Brian Boyle coming in to fill, mm-hmm. fill out the roster and make the team and become a key contributor. This year we have our healthy roster. We keep talking about how Evgeny Malkin's coming into the season fully healthy for once. It's the first time yeah. that's happened in a while. We keep talking about how Sidney Crosby, just now he's coming into the season fully healthy, but he's got his group back. It's going to be a little, and he's going to start the season, it's going to be a little different than it was last year. So that's why a PTO doesn't make sense for the Penguins specifically. Yeah, and if there's a guy, and we'll talk about it, if there's a guy that comes in on a PTO that really shouldn't be on a PTO, should have got a contract already this summer, then that's I mean, that's props to, to Ron Hextall if he's able to corral a guy like that. But I think there's one person that we're all thinking about. We talked about him a couple episodes ago, and we'll talk about him here in a couple seconds. But if you want to see a nice article on a couple of players that potentially could be PTO'd by the Pittsburgh Penguins or signed to a PTO is what I should say. Uh, Jacob Puntori, uh, our buddy over at InsideThePenguins.com, put out a nice piece over the weekend and including a couple of names of players that could theoretically be signed to a tryout contract with the Pittsburgh Penguins with just over a week until the beginning of training camp. There's one guy on that list that we've talked about. You know, We're not going to spoil the whole list, but we do want to talk a little bit about Evan Rodriguez because... He isn't signed. Theoretically, it seems as if he's the, the hottest commodity on the free agent market right now. The la- the best best piece left. We've heard rumors that there's four to five teams that have actual graded interest in bringing him on. And he did switch clients this summer to Darren Ferris, as you reminded me before the show. So the question is... Do you think Evan Rodriguez signs a PTO at this point? Not even with the Penguins, but do you think he signs a PTO and that's how he gets onto a team next season? No, I bet he signs a full deal. Yeah? The way the national media and really just the the national media has been hyping up Evan Rodriguez, they keep looking at his numbers and seeing half a point per game and going, look what this guy can do. Look how he can produce through a full 82-game season, Mm -hmm. to which I say, look at the back half again, please, and come back to me with your argument. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, Evan Rodriguez is still going to earn a pretty decent contract because he does deserve it because you can't ignore the numbers, Mm -hmm. but you have to look at how absent he was in the back half and look at that as well. I think the Penguins were aware of that, and that's why he's not still here right now and Mm -hmm. it hasn't been figured out. I think... The argument of there's cap constraints is interesting considering you pay people a ton of money to figure that part out, and that's their only job. Yeah. So cap constraints can get figured out. I don't think it would take three weeks. Maybe it would take some time, but I don't think it would take three weeks for you to organize some ideas of, okay, if we were to pull him in at this number, we'd have to do A, B, and C. Get A, B, and C on the phone. Let's figure it out. I don't think that would take three weeks. I don't think it would take a month, however long. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wouldn't take an entire off season. That's for sure. I mean, when did free agency yeah. open up? That's kind of when this whole conversation would really begin. Mm-hmm. 
so at this point, I don't know what's going on with Evan Rodriguez. I mean, he's going to earn a deal. I don't think it should be here. That's just me. I went on mm-hmm. that tangent. I've gone, gone on it a couple times now. Mm-hmm. But I think – I don't even think – I don't think he's getting overhyped by a lot of people, but he does have a great opportunity to sign a pretty pretty uh, player-friendly deal here somewhere mm-hmm. for a team that could spend that money. I'm pretty sure Toronto was one of the rumored teams. So with them signing Zach Aston Reese to a PTO, it seems, I again, a PTO shouldn't block anything because realistically that has no cap implications of as of yet. But I, I don't know if he's going to end up going to Toronto. Calgary's another team that was on that list. But I agree with you. I don't see Zach, or sorry, Zach Aston Reese. I don't see Evan Rodriguez signing a PTO. I, I really don't. And I, and I think when you look at it, every summer, free agency, it's like a game of musical chairs. Teams only have so much cap space and so many roster spots and so many things that they can do in one offseason. And, I mean, look at Calgary. I mean, they seem to have an unlimited supply of chairs up there because, you know, you lose two-star players, you bring in two-star players plus a really good defenseman. There's still room on that roster to be improved. But when you look at things like that, and also especially that he changed agents, I think the approach was off at the beginning of the offseason. And that's going to ruin a lot of things as far as you trying to get back into it. Because if you take the wrong approach and you don't get a contract, look how many other people have signed. Look how many other people have signed that are in Evan Rodriguez's position. So there's already such a roadmap for what he could be making. And I think guys like Danton Heinen taking a $1 million contract, that that hurts everything. So when you look at Evan Rodriguez, I don't think he signs a PTO. I think he's worth an, an actual contract. But at this point of the year, it's really tough to tell, man. Because training camps open up in... 10 days at this point, if you don't sign a contract and you don't sign that PTO and you're holding out for that contract, you might not play the beginning of the season. Yeah. So you gotta, you gotta sign something too. And it's not like Evan Rodriguez is a guy that has a storied history of success in the national hockey league. He had a really good season last year, which skyrocketed his personal value. And he hasn't been able to take advantage of that this summer. So I don't think he signs a PTO, but as every day goes on, it becomes more realistic that that goes from an actual contract to signing a PTO. I just, I'll be so surprised if we're at, I'm already surprised that we're at this point with Evan Rodriguez in the summer. We are. Yeah, it is surprising. I'm just trying to look through teams that might be able to afford, I mean, how much is he going to be making? Like, it couldn't be past three million. No, it's not. I I don't even think it's past... 2.5 2.5 to be completely At honest point, I, I think it probably bounces back up to that 2 million he was making when he first came to Pittsburgh the con- contract that he signed with Buffalo but you know you never know because he also showed at some points last season that he's top six caliber and he's defensively responsible so it's interesting with Evan Rodriguez it's it's a really intriguing case study really in NHL contract structure and how this entire situation works if a guy that had the season that he did last year, you can say what you want about it. The talking points are he scored 19 goals last year. And despite being bad in the second half was really good for the Penguins in the postseason. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that entire saga plays out. The door is not entirely closed on Pittsburgh. If he comes back to Pittsburgh, I would think it would have to be on a PTO. I don't know if they're going to be able to make any of that fit. But like you said, there are people that do that for a living. that could probably figure something out, but nonetheless, uh, he's running out of time to get onto a team. He is running definitely out of time. It's 
I'm just like trying to flip through teams who would make sense, but yeah, it does. It's um, not, you know, it's not working. The closest thing I could find might be Detroit, but I don't even that, know if that makes all of the sense. That wouldn't be bad because they're in a similar situation where they were pretty good last year, had some down moments, and they're looking to keep getting better. And that's where Evan Rodriguez is at in his career. But we're going to take a quick break. When we return, I just have an opinion about the Penguins going for their fourth Stanley Cup of the Crosby era. I want to share that, get Horwath's reactions, and get your reactions. Always, you can text us, not text us, you can message us on Twitter at Iceberg Podcast, and you could also probably leave a comment underneath our Apple Podcast. We'll get that. Rate and review, and uh, we'll get to that. And if not, you can also comment on our YouTube channel at Inside the Penguins. But we're going to take a quick break. When we return, just an opinion of mine that I'm going to share about the Penguins going for a fourth Stanley Cup. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back to... The Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. We're getting closer and closer to the opening of training camp. I'm excited. You got you see most of the Penguins are already back in Pittsburgh, skating in an informal skate. Sidney Crosby joined the group late last week, so that's good to see as well. Kenny Malkin was all smiles, according to Danny Shiree on Twitter. But I have an opinion here, Horwat, that I, I've been thinking of for the past couple days since our last recording. I want to give you the idea. I want to I want to share it. See what you guys all think out there listening to this podcast. The question I asked myself was how important is that fourth Stanley Cup? Because do we we know that's the goal for Crosby, Malkin and Chris Letang. They're going for that fourth one. It would be the sixth in Pittsburgh Penguins history. But how important is that fourth one for Sidney Crosby and the rest of that aging veteran core that we've been talking about all summer long? I think it would make them the undoubted top team in the 21st century in the National Hockey League. And I think there's a couple other teams that really can make a case for that. Uh, The Detroit Red Wings of the 2000s were very good. I mean, so many Hall of Famers, so much talent, so many good seasons. But the last decade has been pretty bad in Detroit. And we finished the last segment saying, yeah, they're on an upward trajectory. But it's been a while since they've been in that postseason. So I think they get eliminated from that pretty quickly. But I think it would, first and foremost, prove once again that they have the ability to get back after time. Think about the fact they won their first one in 2009, early in Crosby and Malkin's career. Then it took seven years for them to get back in 2016 and 2017. Seven years, and they were able to bounce back, become that juggernaut team that we saw in 2016-17, the first back-to-back champions since the Red Wings back in the late 90s. But not only that, a Stanley Cup this season would be six years since. So we're almost as far away from the 16 and 17 championships as they were from the 2009 championship. It's kind of crazy to think. So it would show that it doesn't matter if they have four straight first round losses. Even at the age of 36, 37, 38, they're able to get back there 
because they're just that good. Also, you would pass the Blackhawks 4 to 3. You would pass the Tampa Bay Lightning 4 to 3 and even with that the Tampa Bay Lightning did it with two different cores. They did it in the early 2000s with Vinny LeCavalier, with Marty St. Louis, Dwayne Rollison, was that was that their goaltender at that point? I think it was. But that but but then of course the 2020 version with Stamkos, Kucherov, Vasilevsky. So, but you would still, you would be past the Lightning despite them doing it with two different cores. And the Penguins Tommy, doing uh, it with one. Nikolai Habibulin, by the way. Nikolai Habibulin. Rollison was on the Oilers that year, who yeah. they faced. That's right. Uh, but also, there's a couple other important distinctions if they're able to do that. They double up the 90s Penguins, 4-2. to two, and they had way less Hall of Famers. Like, they, they didn't have Ron Francis to be their third best player. Like, say what you will about Phil, Phil Kessel. He's not Ron Francis. Okay? That, that, that's not it. And they don't have a Kevin Stevens who's out there being the best power forward in hockey. Like, Jake Gensel is great. But I don't think Jake Gensel is Hall of Fame. Kevin Stevens isn't Hall of Fame yet. Kevin Stevens has a much better case than, than, than Jake Gensel, in my opinion. So, that's the other thing. And the last thing I'll say... At that point, they would have done it with three different goaltenders. Flurry, Murray, and Jari. I don't know why they all end with a Y, but either way, that would be the winning the winning success method for the Pittsburgh Penguins. I think if they won that fourth Stanley Cup, to me, it would make them the undoubted top team of the 21st century thus far. It would have to, by sheer fact of cup, uh, cup wins, it would have to for statistics. It would have to for longevity, because again, we're the... That, that playoff streak is still intact at 16 years, and that's not going anywhere. I would assume it goes to 17 this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would have to with the way Crosby and Malkin put up numbers throughout their entire career. Crosby's yet to have a year under a point per game. Yep. Malkin's only done it like two or three times, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, these numbers, Those numbers are ridiculous. They're already the – they're coming close on being the trio with the most games played together, are they not? They are definitely climbing that leaderboard, and they're already pretty high on it. I mean, imagine, and also imagine if they didn't get hurt the entire time. Those three, specific, all three of those players are injury prone. Imagine if they hadn't gotten hurt through these last fifteen years together. They're beating that number already. Well, if fifths were fifths, we would all be really drunk. But and I digress. Also, if I mean, and also if they didn't get injured, hell, we may have already be talking about them as multi, as you know, four time cup winners, five, maybe even five, depending on that. Twenty eleven team remains one of the biggest Ooh. what ifs in my yeah. life. Oh yeah. But moving on from that, I, I think it, it would definitely have to be. And you're talking about the doubling up of the 90s teams. One thing about the 90s teams is, yeah, it was built with Hall of Famers, but you got to figure in, 91-92 was, it, if it was like today's NHL, Yager would be on his rookie contract mm-hmm. still. So, so would Recky. And Re- Recky would still be on his rookie deal, although he was only here for the first one, mm-hmm. still. It yeah. was a young player coming in. I mean, yeah, we built a good team that in that '91 season with, you know, bringing in coffee a few years before, bringing in, uh, like Ulf. you said, Ron Francis that year, Olfie, and then the next season shipping out Francis for Rick Tockett. Yeah, and move and those moves that were made for the second season to contribute. Uh, that was what made that '90s team good, and is what is always talked about as one of the best teams of all time. Mm-hmm. It had Mario. It had young Yager, like I mentioned, rookie contract Yager, Yager, if you will. Brian Trottier was there. He was already a veteran presence and future Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. Paul Coffey was there for a season. Larry Murphy, Hall of Famer. The 90s team built itself on future Hall of Famers, whereas 
the 16, 17 teams built around it, built around them and ran their, ran their stuff on depth. Yeah. That was always the big part because Tom Kunak went on to the Islanders and <laughs> ate it. He was not good anymore. Yeah. But here he was a full hero. Um, Carter Rowney was so much fun to watch in the 17th series. He didn't do much, but he was fun to watch and be a small contributor in the way that he was. Mm-hmm. And that is kind of the game that is being played in in the NHL in this era rather than the 90s. So, yeah, I can see where you're coming from. I do. I totally agree that it would make the Penguins the biggest team of the 21st century. Mm-hmm. And doubling up the old team sounds like a ton of fun. I think as for how important it is, I think that was the basis of this question. I kind of got lost in all of your all of your reasonings. I wanted to expand on it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's why it's important to me because I, yeah. I, I think it is. You know, to clarify, it, it's not important because it'll put them in the conversation of best teams. It's important because they're already in that conversation. Yes, and that to me is the dagger in the heart. Undoubtedly, this is the team. And the only other person that can touch them is Tampa Bay, but Tampa Bay has to get back and win a couple more then. That's And that's on sheer cup count, too. Because if you... Yeah. Because you do have to look at all of these teams that came through. I mean, you had to dig back a little bit. If you really wanted to, you could argue Colorado's up in that argument. They won in 2001, had Patrick Waugh for a couple seasons. Joe Sackick and Forsberg for the end of their careers. Mm-hmm. And then they came back right now in the 20, uh, 2022 and won a cup again with a new team. I get there was a lot of downside in that, but they're in that discussion just like how I feel. Who was I going to say? But I mean, franchises is one thing. Franchises is one thing, but team, uh, like these teams, you mentioned, yeah, Forsberg, Sackick, they want. It's a different team. Sackick was the GM last year. Like, that's the thing. Like, this, when we're talking about this, that's why I say the only teams are really. Those early Red Wings teams, even though they only had a 10-year run, basically. I mean, if you wanted to count the 90s, they were good in the 90s, too. But, like, one of the 2000s, that was it. That was 10 years in this century. The Tampa Bay team, you could say that because Stamkos has been... That that team has been that good since 2010 because of Stamkos. Like, they've always been there. Down season here and there, but they've always been there. And it just took them too long to break through. And then the Blackhawks, you know, Kane, Taves... Yeah, Keith before he left, stuff like that. That is what I meant by team. Like this grouping together has done it. So I guess I, I didn't clarify that, but that's that's what I meant. That's why I was only putting those other teams in there because I think the Avalanche get tossed out. You know, the the Devils get tossed out because they're they won a couple in the early early two thousands and then went back in later, but that was it. Yeah, and then they made the, the, the Cup Finals in 2012 as a, as a Cinderella folk hero story and then lost. So To another Cinderella folk hero. <laughs> correct. It was, a, it was a battle of the glass slippers. But no, that, that that's what I meant by that. And I honestly think that they're already in that conversation. It's already debatable that they are. But that puts a nail in the coffin and puts them in that leaderboard pretty healthily if they get to that fourth Stanley Cup with this core. Yeah, for sure. No, it would. It, it definitely because of the longevity of the team, all those years not missed in the playoffs, winning seasons, this, that, the other, phenomenal stuff. It's mm-hmm. you're totally right. Uh, digging back a little too far was a mishap on me, but I mean that's just the part hey, of I just ha- hockey. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's it, a ton it, of fun to watch. It's where the conversation ends up going. I just wanted to clarify that that's not what I was saying <laughs> with not that yet. whole rant to start. But we're gonna take a quick break. Uh, thanks for. 
humoring me with my little take that I had thought about over the weekend. But uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we return our weekly pens poll. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. We have our weekly pens poll for what? Part one of two weekly pens polls that we're going to ask. This one was, which prospect do you believe will stand out the most at Penguins training camp? We've talked about a couple of these guys on last week's episode when we were saying who could make the biggest jump at training camp this year. So we asked this question. It ended in a tie for first place. Between Valtteri Pustinen, who we talked up basically all of last regular season. It started with Jesse Marshall, friend of the show from The Athletic, coming on and telling us, hey, this seventh-round pick is a lot better than people think, and he's going to show it at Wilkes-Barre this year. He did just that. Had a really good debut last year. 43% of voters said that he's going to stand out the most among Penguins prospects at camp. And then the, the story that we've talked about all summer long, Pierre-Olivier Joseph got 43% because that's the guy we've been talking about is, hey, he has a chance. He could make the team out of camp. He could be an everyday player. So 43% of voters have taken what we've said there to heart and think that he will be the most impressive prospect at Pittsburgh Penguins training camp. Other players that got votes, Sam Poulain got 14%. Uh, I'd like to think that that was swayed by our conversation about Pool in last Thursday on that episode. Go check that out if you haven't already. And you know what this all tells me? That Philip Hollander is going to be the standout guy because he got no votes. I don't know how often that has happened when we've actually put an option, a fourth option in there, and they've gotten zero, like none, zilch, nada. No votes for Philip Hollander to be the most eye-popping penguin prospect at, at camp, which tells me that Maybe he is, because of all these guys, he might be the guy with the best chance to make the roster out of camp. He just might be, but I like the idea of Philip Hollander doing well. I'm still going to hold on to my flag at Sam Poulon. I think I talked about it last week, mm-hmm. not at nauseum, but for a pretty good amount, because it's his turn to finally make that breakthrough. Mm-hmm. Um, he's getting the national, the quote-unquote national recognition with that rookie camp thing, and being recognized by the Penguins themselves as, hey, you're the rookie to go this year mm-hmm. you're the guy go represent and come back and prove what you can do mm-hmm. i'm not saying make the team straight out of camp but i'm saying everything i said last week he's got a great opportunity here it's not his time now more than ever could he use a little more time in the AHL? maybe but as a first person to get called up this year mm-hmm. go for it i love it and somebody we didn't put on this list, uh, just I think because he's so far away from the NHL level, we wanted to include guys that were all in around the same area right now, which means all in the AHL could theoretically play in an NHL game or multiple NHL games this year. A guy that we didn't mention in this poll and didn't really mention last week is Owen Pickering. Uh, he was very impressive 
by all accounts, at the development camp back in July. So if he comes out and plays well, and it, he could be very impressive. That's all I'm saying is like he, he could be somebody where you get more of an extended look. You get to see him with more players that are better. It, it could be very interesting to see what he looks like in camp. And it's somebody that he's somebody that could really stand out. I mean, it helps that he's six foot four, but he's somebody that could really stand out at camp that, that we haven't really mentioned. And I do want to make sure the people have his name, at least in their mind, when camp gets underway, when, when rookie camp gets underway in three days, because he'll be there as well. Just to keep an eye on him. Yeah, just to keep watching. He may not be fully committed to a professional team yet, but just to keep an eye on him in camp and then to watch him play back with Switch Current. Switch Current, yeah, in the dub. Mm -hmm. So just keep to keep an eye on him, watch him progress, whether it be with our system or with uh, WHLs, still mm -hmm. something to watch, watch him grow. He's only 18, right? He's got yeah. plenty of time to really make an impact. Mm-hmm as a penguins prospect he's already up there we don't have much so he's already up there <laughs> in the top five bare minimum maybe even higher mm -hmm. so it's time to keep to all eyes go toward him once uh, we realize what we have with everyone else yeah he is uh, arguably the best defensive prospect in the penguins prospect pool and he's only been in the organization for two months uh between him and po joseph so that's that that's where the penguins stand as far as their uh, their development programs are right now but that's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. We'll be back on Thursday, the opening day of rookie camp, talking a little bit about all the guys hitting the ice on Thursday afternoon. We'll see you guys then. Have a great week, Penguins fans. You can follow the hosts on Twitter at Nick Horwat 41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You could also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. Listen to us anywhere you get your podcasts from or watch us on YouTube at Inside the Penguins. This show is brought to you by SI Fan Nation and InsideThePenguins.com.